Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. Oh my goodness. Come on, let's bless the Lord Jesus all together as a church family. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's bless him real good. We love you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for every single thing that you have poured into us today. We come before you now with expectant hearts and we say, keep pouring in. Can we do that? Just say, keep pouring in, Lord. Keep pouring in, Lord. During the worship, I had this picture of just just being a, a, a vessel without a lid on. Just, I said, Lord, take the lid off. Just break the lid off. I just want you to pour in until I cannot contain it anymore. And I just want you to keep pouring. Just pour into me to overflow in Jesus' name today. Does any, anybody else that thirsty for a touch from Jesus today? Just pour into us until we reach overflow and keep on pouring in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. It's such a joy to be with you. I'm so happy to be back at Dwell Church with my dear friends. I call them Mama and Papa Binion. I know you guys call them Pastor, but I call them Mama and Papa Binion. So thank you for having me back. It's just a joy and an honor. I love you guys so much. I brought my whole family to hang out with you. Got all my kids here. They're in church. They didn't end up making it to Dwell Kids. I'm sorry about that. Uh, they're in kids' ministry pretty much uh, 24-7, 365, so I think they were like, no, we're just going to hang out with you today. And they've also got iPads, so they can't hear a single thing I'm saying about them right now. But we have uh, our oldest. His name is Isaiah Triumph, and he's there. He's seven. He's got his face buried. Don't worry. He's fine. He's probably playing a game. Uh, our second, uh, her name, hey, what's up, Big Daddy? Yep. I was speaking uh, at a church in Chattanooga, and uh, Isaiah was sitting with me, and I said, you want to go up uh, when they introduce Dad? And he said, no, no, you introduce me. <laughs> and uh, when it's my time to come up, I want you to tell everybody, this is my son, Isaiah, and then I'll run up there. And that's exactly what he did. He ran up. He didn't really want to say anything, but whenever he said hallelujah, he jumped off the stage and then went back to his seat. And then we have our daughter here, Jeremiah. We call her Remy, Jeremiah Marie Rose. And then we have our youngest, Rua Grace, and she's there sitting with grandmommy. And so my mother-in-law, Lila, is here as well today, guys. I told you, I brought the whole family. Brought the whole family and uh, we also have Ben and Danielle Abernathy with us this morning from our church. They are our young adult leaders. And I'm so excited that they came all the way to Dallas to hang out with us. Just hanging out. Kicking it in an Airbnb. We got an Airbnb with a pool, you guys. So we're just hanging out, swimming, talking about the Lord Jesus. It's a good time. I love Dallas. And we got some more friends from Legacy here. We got Ryan somewhere. He may have stepped out as well as another mama and papa. The Staley's are here as well. 
And uh, if you guys have ever seen uh, their daughter lead worship at our church, Nicole, you would remember it because she's spectacular. And this is her parents. And I just love you guys. Thanks so much for coming. Uh, they live here in Dallas, but I claim them as members of Legacy. So, you know, I know you guys double dip, I think, every Sunday by streaming. So I think it's official. You're members of Legacy. So it is so good to be back with you guys. I could probably go through a couple of pews here and shout out a bunch of people. Uh, but I do want to say, Gracie, I love you so much. I tagged you on Instagram while you were leading worship. And I'm like, Gracie is a Gen Z pioneer. All of my friends who have Gen Z conferences, I'm like, you need to call, email, text, DM Gracie and get her to your conference to lead worship because I really believe this. I don't know if you guys know the treasure that you have in Gracie, but I really believe she is leading for her generation as a Gen Z pioneer. I really believe that. And I love what you carry so much, and I'm so thankful for your yes to Jesus. So thanks for saying yes. Keep saying yes in Jesus' name. We're all the better for it. We really are. And uh, David is right. Um, I have been knit to you, whether you like it or not. I am just the weird younger brother, maybe for some of you, the weird, strange uncle. Um, maybe for others, a distant cousin, because you don't know me yet, but I'm coming over. So um, whether you like it or not, uh, Allison and I, we have felt so connected to this house since we met uh, David and Nicole. And I obviously met uh, David prior to us even meeting. So I think this has been 11, 12 years now we've known each other. Isn't that so strange how time flies? And, uh, you know, I was in my 20s when we met, and a good friend of mine recently reminded me. He said, you know, you tend to meet people in your 20s, but then you build relationship, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. And the older you get, you can't, you can't go back and have relationship with people for 20 years anymore. Right. And so I'm expecting, because we're going to have relationship for decades. And I can't wait to celebrate year 50 of our friendship. I can't wait to worship on your worship ranch in Nashville one day when Jesus gives you the keys to that. And uh, I can't wait to be here one day when there's a legacy somewhere within the vicinity of Dallas, Texas, okay? Like, I had a strong encounter on my 35th birthday here for the Dwell Conference where God spoke to me and gave me 12 cities that I was to spend the next 35 years of my life pioneering into. And uh, somewhere in the surrounding area of Dallas is going to be one of those places. So, um, like I said, you're not going to be able to get rid of us. We're just going to be around. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but it'll be something in the name of Jesus. So, uh, also, lastly, my, my wonderful uh, wife is here today. Um, would you just stand up and wave? Would you guys just bless her real good? The best part of me, my wife, Allison. So happy uh, to be here all together. So it really is a joy. We are family. Amen. At Legacy, we say this thing where we say, we're not just a ministry. We are a, and then everybody shouts, family. See, we have some Legacy people here. It's, it's, you guys want to try it out, Dwell? At Dwell, we're not just a ministry. We are a and some of you guys may have heard that and you're like, that is weird. I don't like family because my experience in family was super strange and I don't think I want to go to a church that looks like a family. So we realized the more that we declared family, the better it would that we define family so that everybody could be on the same page as to what we were talking about. So here's our definition of family. I want to give it to you. Family is where you're loved into your purpose. You are received as you are. It doesn't matter how you've come to the house of God today. We receive you as you are and we love you. Yes. 
But here's the deal. You can't stay as you are because we are serving a God named Jesus that is passionate about your transformation about your discipleship, about your formation, about your spiritual growth, about your maturity, about you growing strong in the kingdom of God. And just like our brother mentioned, finding your assignment and stepping out in faith and doing great things with him. Now, I don't know if that's what you got involved in faith for, but listen, I believe that if you are a Christian, you are called to make an impact on history and change the world. And here's why I believe that, because the greatest world changer that ever walked the face of the earth has taken up residence on the inside of you. So remind me again of what it is that you cannot not do. And even if you feel like it's too big for you, here's the great news. It's never too big for the family. So welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the church. Welcome to dwell. I'm so happy to be here, as you guys can probably tell. This is my favorite thing in the world to do is to share the gospel. And I've been here enough. You guys know my testimony. And uh, I just believe that he who has forgiven much loves much. You know, and I've been forgiven from so, 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 so much. God scraped the bottom of the barrel whenever he saved me. And so I never want to miss the opportunity to worship him with a holy abandon. I never want to miss the opportunity to preach the gospel with passion and to tell people about what Jesus has done in my life. So I want to talk to you guys today uh, about something that has been stirring in my spirit for the past couple of weeks. And I think it's just kind of a prophetic message that God wants to get out to his body in this hour. And it has to do with peace. Wow. All right. It has to do with peace. You don't have to wave at me, but how many of you guys came to church today and you're like, I could use some peace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was listening to our most recent prayer room set. We put these prayer room sets out every Thursday evening at 630 on YouTube. And um, I was listening to what came out on Thursday, and I didn't even know this. Uh, The whole prayer room set was about peace. I'm like, oh, this is on God's heart. And I was praying last week um, for a word to share with our house, and I just really felt like that this word about peace was something that God really wanted to speak to his people. And so I just want to kind of frame up your expectations. I'm going to be talking about peace today. Uh, We've been in this sermon series called Just Jesus at Legacy, where we're spending the entire summer focusing on a different facet of the face of Jesus. Let me tell you, it is fun. It's really fun. I know you guys said, yeah, I could use some more peace, but how many of you guys would like to know Jesus better? Come on, getting to know Jesus is the adventure of a lifetime. And it's amazing because as soon as you are tempted to get bored with one facet of the face of Jesus, he just turns like just a little bit and you see him afresh and it's like the first time all over again and you fall in love again, again. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize you're that amazing. He's like, yeah, I hadn't showed you that part of my heart yet. But in this season, I'm going to reveal it to you so that you can fall in love again, again. So that's what we've been doing. We're like, Jesus, just turn. Every Sunday, just turn. Just show us a part of yourself that we had never recognized previously because we want to know you better. This is why we are alive. We are passionate to know Jesus better. And it's so important we know Jesus better. You know, you guys are doing discipleship classes at Legacy. We preach and teach the Bible a lot. 
And you know, I don't know if you're on social media a lot, but there's a lot of things that are not peaceful on social media. But I was scrolling through social media last week and, um, and I saw where somebody had posted something about biblical literacy. And uh, it's a very smart person. And they said, oh, we don't need our Christian people to be more biblically literate. And I was like, what? Get behind me. Say, you know what I mean? Like you, you see those things on social media where you just immediately want to go into rebuke mode. And it was kind of one of those moments. I was like, what? We don't need more biblical literacy. As a pastor, you know, that just really burned my biscuits. I'm like, I don't think you. I'm going to DM them right now. You know what I mean? And, and they followed up and they said, we just need more people reading the Bible like Jesus. And I thought, well, okay, yeah, I agree with that. I disagree with the first part. I agree with the latter. We do need more people reading the Bible like Jesus, but depending upon how you interpret Jesus would depend upon your interpretation of his interpretation of the Bible. So if you only see Jesus through one lens, then the way you interpret everything you believe about the kingdom of Jesus will be through that one lens. And Jesus is so big, he cannot be held together by a one-dimensional perspective of his grandeur. He is way bigger than that. I think we could all agree. And so we have to really do a deep dive on Jesus. If we want to interpret the Bible like Jesus, well, we have to interpret Jesus better. And so I've been on this kick of just, just learning about Jesus because as soon as we think Jesus is the most merciful, and he is, we are reminded that he is actually the most righteous judge, and he is. As soon as we see him washing smelly feet of the betrayer, we also see him resisting the woman coming to him, and he's saying, listen, I'm not here to give the bread to dogs, lady. And it gets confusing, right? Because you see Jesus receiving some of the worst sinners and then he'll step into his own house and he'll start destroying the marketplace. Like Jesus is kind of wild and crazy and peculiar and amazing and beautiful and awesome and righteous and holy and merciful. And he's just so incredible. We get to spend all of our lives and I might even say all of eternity learning about Jesus. Listen, we're not going to stop learning about Jesus when we die. We're going to get to spend all of forever worshiping Jesus together, learning more about Jesus together. How awesome is that? That's amazing. Man, that is good, good. I am just excited about that. And so I wanted to read this story from the book of Mark, and I'm going to turn to Mark chapter 4. And if you guys don't mind, if you would just, if you would just uh, indulge me, could we just stand up for the reading of God's Word? This is something we've started to do at home. And I love it so much, I just can't get enough of it. You know, I just want to honor God's word. Are you guys cool with that? So in Mark chapter 4, we're going to read um, an infamous story from verse 35 to verse 41. And I'd love it if we could read it out all together, all right? So if, you don't, if you're using a, a Bible app, I'm doing ESV, okay? I'm doing ESV. So let's read it out all together out loud as a family. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Now, hold on just a second. That begs the question, well, how was Jesus? Just as he was, what could that mean? Well, I would venture to believe that would mean he is exhausted. 
Because we, what we don't see right here is that he has been laboring all day long preaching the best sermon that has ever been given called the Sermon on the Mount. He's been ministering all day, and I'd have to believe he's tired. We'll continue. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, hold on. Let's read that again like we're really big complainers. All right? Because that is how I imagine the disciples would talk to the Lord, right? And don't come in here all pretty and religious like you don't complain before the Lord in prayer either. So, let you know, just, just read yourself into the story for a moment. Teacher... Do you not care that we are perishing? They're like, we're about to die. You obviously don't care. You're asleep on the cushion, right? That sounds comfy. And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. Let's say that again. Peace be still. One more time. Peace be still. I don't know who needs to lay hands on themselves this morning and just shout that over your own soul. Peace be still. It's been a tough and tumultuous week. I have been just confused in my mind. And so I lay hands on myself today and I say, peace be still. Sit down, be quiet. Jesus is in charge. What a reminder. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, wow, and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow, what a great story, huh? So the title of the message today is, I'm scared and Jesus is napping. All right, that's the title of the message today, Papa David. I'm really scared. Jesus napping, right? So, Lord, we ask that you would help us as we navigate through your word, that you would speak peace over our spirits, and that you would continue to fill us up in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. You can be seated. Oh, man. Peace, peace, peace. Peace be still. That is what we need. And I, I know... Uh, you know, obviously want to be very sensitive to the tragic shooting that took place here in Texas this week. You know, we spent some moments in uh, back home at Legacy interceding for your state and the communities and those affected by this great tragedy. And that's just another reason as I was looking through the news this week, like, yes, we need yes. peace. Yes. Yes. Our hearts need peace. When we're troubled, when we're going through stuff, when we're really scared, we need yes. peace. We need peace. So what I want to do to start is I just want to look at the passage contextually a little bit. Because something I really enjoy doing is I enjoy just like jumping into the story as I read the stories in the scripture. And just imagining that I get to be a bystander and that I get to listen to Jesus preach live. Do you guys ever do that? It's just a really fun thing to do. And so I enjoy like getting in the story and understanding the context a little better. So here's kind of what's happening, all right, in this moment. 
Jesus has been preaching and teaching all day. Now, if you've ever gone to Dwell Conference, you know what it's like to be in church all day. It's exhilarating and also exhausting, right? You're like, man, I'm going to have a Holy Ghost hangover tomorrow. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like your spirit is just so full, but your body is just so empty, right? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Like I'm going to have to get a dopio espresso in the morning to get to the 9 a.m. session at Dwell Conference. And yet I'm still so excited because God is moving. Well, I imagine that's kind of what happened. You know, we see the whole thing in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And so Jesus is preaching this spectacular sermon. I mean, it's like his inaugural address. Like he's laying out the core values of his kingdom. He's preaching and teaching all day long. And then at the end of the day, he is spent. He's exhausted. Now, it's important to notice that Jesus, of course, is God, but it's only Jesus in the form of his humanity that is in need of any sleep. So you got to know that up front. Yes, Jesus in his human form, who is God, sleeps, but God, Elohim, Yahweh, the Almighty, he never sleeps, he never slumbers, and he never gets tired. Amen? Now, that's good news. So Jesus here, you know, he's a little tired. He's spent. He said, you know what? I got some more ministry to do tomorrow, but it's going to be on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to book me a red-eye flight. Y'all know what that is, right? It's whenever you get in the airplane in Los Angeles around 11 p.m. and then you arrive in Nashville at like 6 a.m. and you've had two hours of bad sleep and then you exit the aircraft and you got red eyes. That's what I call it, a red eye, right? And Jesus is trying to capitalize on the opportunity of the fact that he's got some disciples that are professional fishermen who own boats. So he's like, you know what? Here's what we're going to do, guys. Uh, We're going to get in the boat, and we're going to sail to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to have a little rest because I'm going to do some more preaching at the session in the morning at 9 a.m. So I want you guys to take us over to that other side while I get some sleep. Now, if you've ever wondered the Sea of Galilee, how big is it? I'm sure nobody ever has, but a nerd like me is wondering, right? I'm like, okay, hold on, wait. The Sea of Galilee... In Israel, is it actually a sea? Is it a part of the ocean? Actually, it's not. It's a freshwater lake. All right? So I I was learning something because I've never been to Israel. I can't wait to go at some point. And it's a freshwater lake, but this freshwater lake is massive. It's like 33 square miles, I think. And at some of its deepest points, it's over 140 feet deep. So that's like a pretty wild, you know, lake. Because if you get out in the middle of it, um, I I Googled this, and so I think it's true, uh, because the internet never lies. And, um, (laughs) like, if you're in the middle of it, and and your, 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 your eyesight actually does not go all the way to the shoreline. So if you're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, despite the fact that it is a freshwater lake, it could feel a little bit like you're in the middle of an ocean, especially whenever a tornado goes by overhead. Because if you look in the original language, whenever you see that the Bible tells us that a storm is taking place, I translated it out from the Greek, and it actually means a violent hurricane or a violent tornado. So just imagine how bad this situation is. Like, in the middle of the night, they're in the middle of what feels like an ocean, in the middle of the eye of a tornado that the Bible says is a violent hurricane. 
I don't know about you, but that's not a situation I want to find myself in. I don't even like flying in the middle of the night. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I do not like flying at night. I don't know why it's different than flying during the day. But when I fly during the day, it doesn't matter how bad the turbulence is. I'm like, whatever, I'm chill. But flying at night is a completely different story, and I cannot figure out why. It's like I just can't see anything. And I'm like, oh, man, if we go down, it's going to be terrible. Like, I'd be able to survive any differently. I don't understand the reasoning behind it. But I'm like, I just don't like it, you know. And the worst place ever is when you're in the middle of the ocean. Like, one time I was flying back from Africa in Joburg to Atlanta. And I'm, I'm talking like dead center right in the middle of the ocean. And the turbulence decides to turn up. Yeah. Listen, you'll get real connected to the Holy Ghost in the midst of that. <laughs> I just told the people around me, I said, listen, I know you may not believe like me, but you're going to hear my prayer language right now. There was a girl from the Peace Corps sitting next to me, and I was just like, hey, you're going to have to deal with this, sis, all right? This is just me. I don't know why. It's just scary. So this situation to me feels scary. Anybody else, would you agree? It's a scary situation, right? Uh, but the good news is, is that, as I mentioned, Jesus actually has some professional fishermen on board. And what that means is that they are also professional sailors, all right? So they grew up being trained by their fathers on the Sea of Galilee as professional fishermen. So they would have had some experience uh, manning, you know, uh, boats in the middle of pretty crazy storms. Like they definitely would have had uh, some experience. So Jesus himself was in a pretty good situation to be found in the middle of a storm. Like you got all these professional, uh, you know, sailors around you and, and they have experience. It's, it's kind of like us back home in Nashville. We have experience with tornadoes. I know it sounds a little ridiculous, but Nashville, I am told, is like in a basin. And so what happens is, is that tornadoes actually get stuck in there and they go back from west to east. And if you look at the history of the storms in Nashville, you'll see they always go the same way, same path every time. And so that's what I'm told. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know anything about maps or topography or meteorology or anything like that, but that's what I'm told. And when I did some research, guess what? The Sea of Galilee is also in a basin. So I felt connected to the story. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's right. So when we hear that tornadoes are coming, we don't always panic. We, we're used to it. So I'd have to think that the sailors, you know, they kind of thought, okay, maybe a tornado is coming, but there's no reason to panic. We're pretty used to it. We're professional sailors. We've grown up on the Sea of Galilee. My father taught me how to deal with this, and we're going to be a-okay. Therefore, we're not even going to wake Jesus up in the stern of the boat. We're going to let him nap because when he wakes up and he realizes that we got him through to the other side of the storm in the midst of a violent tornado, he'll be impressed. And that's kind of how we think about our own ministries and our own gifts. We go through storms, we go through trials, and we're like, you know what, I'm not even going to pray about it. I'm not even going to disturb Jesus in the midst of it because I know what I'm doing. I done been there, done that, got the t-shirt, burned it, and all the above. I am strong. I am courageous. I am well experienced. Have you checked out my resume? I know what I'm doing. I don't even need Jesus for this one. That will get you into trouble every single time. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just let Jesus sleep. Okay. Okay. We'll see what happens when you go through a storm you've never faced before, despite your experience facing other storms in the past. You always need dependency upon Jesus. Instead of going to him first, the disciples went to him as a last line of defense. 
which should inform us of how we're to respond when we find ourselves in the midst of a storm. We don't go to Jesus as a last line of defense. We go to Jesus as our first option. Listen, Lord, I don't know how turned up this storm is going to get in my life, but I do know you have the authority to make it calm down before it even starts. So I'm not going to let myself get into trouble relying on my own strength. I'm going to sit with the Lord, like our sister sang this morning, because I understand that lovers are more effective than workers. Jesus, what's going on here? Because I sense there is a storm on the horizon. And before I let myself get knee deep in my own boat, I'd like to hear your voice, please. So instead of it being a first line of defense, it became the last resort. And I, I don't know about you guys, but that just sounds terrible. I don't know. I mean, that sounds terrible. I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I've been reminiscing as I read this story on all my flights. And I'm like, this is not, not good at all. And, and I understand. I get it because there, there have been moments where I have felt tempted to complain to the Lord also in the midst of crazy, tumultuous moments in my own life. And that's what we see here in verse uh, 38, whenever the disciples wake them up and they shout. Right? This is how the NLT uh, defines it. They shout. Yeah. Have you ever found yourself shouting at God before? I heard somebody say a man is most like himself when he's yelling at God. Wow. Yeah. You ever been there before? Nobody. You're not going to be honest because it's Sunday morning, right? It's Sunday morning. We got to keep it all together. We don't admit anything like that. Listen, I've been in a place with the Lord before, and I don't want to say this out loud, but I will because you're my family and I'll be vulnerable, where I'm like cussing God out. I know that sounds ridiculous to you, and all of a sudden, I just lost some anointing points with a few of you. But listen, I just want you to know, I just believe, like, my relationship with the Lord should be rated R. For real. Rated R for real. I'm not talking about, like, weird. I mean, real. Like, I'm a real human being. I have real emotions. I go through real storms, and I got real problems. And whenever I'm going through stuff, I want to give you the real real, not sugarcoat it like you don't know about it already. Like, God can't save the person you pretend to be. God saves the person that you actually are. He already knows what you need before you even ask him for it. So you might as well get real from day one. Why wait until the water starts to fill up the boat before you tell the truth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, God, you need to think I have it all together. He knows you don't. He saved you from your sin. He knows where he's brought you from, and he acknowledges your current frailty. You still don't have it all together. You're not a finished work. You're not in your glorified form. You need help. So that's me. I'm just like, I know I need help. I know where I've come from. God, I can't stand you right now. Like, I've been in a place where I'm just, like, balling up my fists, like, kicking my sheets off of my bed. Like, oh, you're the worst. You said you're good, but you're the worst. Oh, it's hitting home now for a few of you guys. You've read yourself into my story now. You said that you were powerful, but you didn't deliver me. You said that you were a healer, but I'm sick in my body. You said you were a restorer, but my marriage is in shambles. You said that you would redeem, but I just got fired. I cannot handle you anymore. I'm going to break up with you. 
Have you ever been there before? Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm telling some of y'all's story right now. I can't stand you, Lord. And then we get to that point where we're like, Peter, we're like, well, where else are we going to go? Because <laughs> it's you that's got the words of life. And if it ain't you, I don't know where I'm going to go. I might as well stick with you. <laughs> See, we think that because God says he's good, we automatically believe that God means he's safe. <laughs> we need to go back and read a little C.S. Lewis. Remember what he said? Is he, is, he, is he safe? Nope. But he's good. Come on. Come on. Wow. You, listen, you get mixed up with God, you, you'll end up a revolutionary. Because he's not, in, he, he's not interested in preserving the status quo. He's interested in transforming planet earth to look more like the kingdom of heaven. That's what Revelation teaches us, right? The kingdoms of this earth have become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ, right? It's like he wants to change things. He wants to shake things up. And here we are in our boat filling up with water. And we're like, I can't believe you didn't guarantee me safe passage. I committed to you publicly in front of my friends and family. What is the deal here? What's the deal? I posted about you on Facebook just this morning, and now you're letting me down? What kind of God are you? Who do you think you are? Right? Us rebuking the Lord, as though we have that kind of authority, right? And get this. When they shout, teacher, don't you care? We're about to drown. You know what the, the word teacher is a word for? It means master. You know what that's a word for? Lord. Isn't it amazing that we so consistently call him Lord, but we don't live like it? We've gotten so accustomed to being told how awesome we are that, you know, we come to Jesus once more through this singular lens, which is Jesus as BFF. And he is your best friend, but you don't get saved, Romans chapter 8, by confessing with your lips that Jesus is BFF and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You get saved when you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. The first person you come to is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's so many other things, but first and foremost, if you're going to step into his kingdom, you have to recognize that he is king of it. You are Lord. Therefore, when you speak to me, you don't make passive suggestions. You're not providing me with options. I believe in invitations. But listen, there are so many more explicit commandments that we are responsible for obeying, not just suggestions that we're able to just, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Well, why do you think you're in the middle of the storm? Like Jesus has been giving you commands. You've been treating them like suggestions as though it doesn't matter whether or not you listen to him. As to where you're going to end up. Listen, a lot of times, here's what I find. When I'm in the middle of a storm and the boat is filling up with water, I can look back on my journey and say, yep, I ignored him there. I ignored him there. I ignored him there. I ignored him there. He spoke to my pastor there. I ignored him there. Yeah, it ain't no big deal. He ain't hearing right. I'm going to do what I want to do. Be patient. Nope. Tired of being patient, Lord. I know you said you were good, but you're good to everybody else but me. Everybody else is done married. I ain't married yet. I, I'm, I'm sick of it. Oh, I know. I know. I'm hitting the nail on the head for somebody, right? I'm sick of it, Lord. You said I'd be making this much money. That person came through and prophesied to me that I'd be in this income bracket by this year of my life. And it has not happened. 
Oh, yeah. See, we have forgotten that our purpose is not an income bracket. It's not a zip code. It's not a vehicle. It's not a square footage of a home. Our purpose is a person, and his name is Jesus. And that's the same with our peace. Our peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. I like the feeling of peace, but peace is not primarily an emotion. Peace is the presence of a person whose name is Jesus. If you take hold of Jesus, you get what Jesus carries, which is peace. If you need peace, you need Jesus. You don't need to meditate. You don't need to align your chakras. You don't need to smudge. You don't need to burn no Palo Santo. Listen, you're going to end up with less peace doing that mess. You don't need... I'm telling the truth. You don't need that. You don't need to drink till you see the bottom of the bottle. You don't need to pop pills. You don't need to get high. You don't need to go to the club. Here's what you need. Jesus. You can look for him in a million places, but he's in the easiest place to find. Just like the... Jesus. There he is. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, right. They used to tell me in Sunday school, he's as close as the mention of his name, Jesus. I mean, try that out in the dark. Close your eyes and just say Jesus three times and tell me your state doesn't shift. Because he is more faithful than you are. He believes in you so much more than you believe in him. Listen, he knows what you're going through and he wants to show up for you. Welcome him in. Jesus. Jesus, your peace is a person. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a person. It's a person. And yet we all go through this, don't we? Where it's like, don't you care? Don't you care? You don't, you obviously don't care. Complaining, by the way, is always a byproduct of a lack of intimacy. Complaining is always a byproduct of an intimacy deficiency. You can treat it as an indicator that you haven't heard his voice recently. Are you not concerned? Do you not take interest in the fact that we're all about to die? <laughs> I mean, that's the, way, that's the way that I read this. And it's so cool to see that they do acknowledge his authority. Master! But then they doubt his nature. Don't you care? Right? They acknowledge his lordship. Teacher! But then they call into question his character. And this is what we do when we go through storms. I acknowledge you're the king of kings, but man, your motives are bad. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I just reading anybody's diary right now? I'm telling you right now, I, I, can, I can see it in the spirit. I'm reading somebody's journal. <laughs> you're writing with like an iron grip. I'm mad and I don't even care if you know. Right? I know. I've been there. Right? But listen, all of the greats have been there. If you look throughout human history, if you look at the scripture, you'll notice that all of God's best friends have been in a place of acknowledging that he's God but calling into question his good nature. All of his friends. You can go back. You can look at Moses. In Exodus chapter 5, Moses complains. You sent me to speak and you have done nothing to deliver your people. That's what I feel like sometimes as a preacher. You sent me to speak and ain't nobody getting transformed. I'm up here and nobody's worshiping. I'm sure you've been there before. What is this? A church or a cafe? People got their coffee. What is going on? 
Man, that, that, man. tell you, man, that hits me. I start looking around. What is happening here? We came to worship, right? That's what Moses was saying. What in the world is happening? You look at uh, the man after God's own heart, King David, right? In Psalm chapter 42, verse 9, he said, I say to God, my rock. Why have you forgotten about me? Man, how quickly do we switch up, right? When we lose perspective. Listen, the perspective you need is, is in the presence you already have. It's amazing what happens when you enter into the sanctuary. And even when you don't sense that you have an encounter, you can always get a different perspective. Sometimes I don't understand what it is I need until I go into the presence of God. And then I can recognize, you know what? I actually don't need that thing to deliver me. I just need him. As David, now you look at Martha in the New Testament. Listen, Martha and Mary were definitely the BFFs of Jesus. Lazarus, right, the brother? And we see in John chapter 11, Martha rebukes Jesus saying, Had you been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. Right? We know you're a healer. We know you do resurrections, but you didn't show up. Right? We exalt the Lordship, and then we diminish his character. Oh, he's better than you think he is. But this is a tale as old as time. If you look back into the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 14 said, Have you utterly rejected Judah? Does your soul loathe Zion? Why have you struck us down so that there is no healing for us? We look for peace. Everybody say peace. We look for peace, but no good came. We look for a time of healing, but behold, terror. We looked for healing, but behold, terror. Real question, my friends. Where in the Bible has God promised you an easy life? I want to know what translation you're reading out of because I'd like to take that scripture, write it on a post-it note, and put it on my bathroom mirror so I can read it every day to know I'm a Christian and therefore it automatically requires me to be successful. Like I'm just going to have an easy, ongoing, comfortable life. Where in the Bible do you see that God is confined to your uh, goals list? This is my dream list. This is my bucket list. You're responsible for checking all of them off, God. Right? He's your heavenly father, not your sugar daddy. Like, yeah, come on. Where? You haven't given me this yet. I've been doing good. I've been obeying you every now and then. <laughs> so I deserve. I don't tithe. I tip. But listen, every when in the worship is good. But yeah, you see, I'm a local church pastor too. But where in the scripture did God promise you everything you've ever dreamed of? You're not going to find it. You won't find those scriptures. But here what you, here's what you will find in the Bible. You will find, find plenty of promises where God proclaims his love for you. And he says, no matter what you go through, I care for you. No matter what you go through, I will be there with you. The facts may be that you are suffering a storm. But the truth is that God is there and that he cares. You have to understand sometimes the facts are different from the truth. 
and we don't walk according to the facts. We walk according to the truth. Truth is what God has said. The facts may be that there is a tornado passing me by, but the truth is the Prince of Peace is in my boat. So I can walk in peace because I've got Jesus. The facts may be, man, life is tough right now and I just filed for bankruptcy. But the truth is, I've got the provider, the Prince of Peace, Jesus in my boat. And he's not going nowhere. He said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. That means I have everything that I could ever need. That's the truth. We have to understand sometimes the facts would suggest something different than the truth. And the facts always meddle in our emotions. Right? So we get so emotional, like, oh, man, that means God's not here. We, all, we automatically jump to that conclusion. That means God doesn't care. Right? We get emotional. That means God is not good, but God is always good, and God is always near no matter what you may be feeling in this moment. Yes. That's the truth, right? Okay, I'm going to give you guys three points. I'll be done. You, st- you guys still good? Okay. So despite all of this chaos... We find Jesus in a peculiar posture, and that is he is slumbering. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody ever feel like that? <laughs> Jesus. Dude, you're sleeping on the job. You're supposed to be my, you know, my, 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 my Lord and Savior. You're, you're asleep, right? It feels like that. It's not true. It just feels like that, right? And listen, I don't know why good people go through hard things. I don't know all the answers. But here's what I do know, that God himself does not exempt himself from suffering, but fully enters into it through Jesus on the cross. Even Jesus felt the way that you felt whenever he quoted Psalm 22 on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? He's our high priest who's able to empathize with us in all of our experiences, right? That's what Paul teaches us. Therefore, he himself has experienced what you're currently experiencing. When you say, I know you're God, but you're not here. You're sleeping. You're sleeping. But Jesus has absolutely no fear in his heart when he's sleeping. He's not afraid of the storm. Why is that? Because he has absolute trust. Everybody say trust. Trust. In the Father's care, which is what we must develop as we walk with him the same trust that jesus has in the father is the same trust that jesus wants to put in us for god right, right. that we would walk as he has walked and so he has no fear in his heart he's at peace you know why because he's the prince of peace and we get that from isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 for unto us we read this at christmas time a child is born a son is given the government's going to be on his shoulder his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and what else prince of peace, peace. Right? Jesus is our peace. Now, let me give you a biblical definition of peace real quick. The biblical definition of peace is it is the heart attitude that is unaffected by circumstances, adversity, and troubles. It is free from anxiety and useless worrying. Y'all need to hear that again? It's the biblical definition of peace because culture's definition of peace is the absence of chaos. The biblical definition of Peace is the presence of a person who is Jesus. So the biblical definition is the heart attitude that is unaffected by circumstances, adversity, and troubles, free from anxiety and useless worrying. Jesus doesn't have to sweat the most violent tornado because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You guys remember how I told you earlier? That whenever I travel at night in an airplane, it freaks me out when you go through turbulence. Is anybody else like that in here? 
My wife only. Okay. So I get it. Okay, Ben also. Nicole. Yes. Anybody else? Like, I don't know why it freaks me out. I have watched so many YouTube videos on the power of turbulence. Believe it or not, I'm like, can turbulence actually take down an airplane? You know, because I want to inform myself of what to do if it's going down. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, I've done this research, and I want to give you guys a breath of fresh air. If you are afraid of turbulence, turbulence is like never taken down an airplane except maybe like once back in the 40s. So I'm pretty confident at this point. Okay, I know what the, the, the truth is. But the facts are I'm going through some pretty terrible turbulence. And so I'm thinking I might end up a statistic. Like I know it hasn't been gone down since 1947, but 2022 seems like a good time. It's pretty crazy since 2020. You know, so I'm like, I go through turbulence at night. I start freaking out. It scares me a lot, right? And so whenever that fear kicks in, here's what I do first. I start looking at the other passengers. Do y'all do the same thing? Because I start to wonder, how are they dealing with the fear, right? So you look over, there's a business guy with a newspaper, and he's just casually, you know, crossing his legs. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, well, no, no reason to be afraid. This guy probably travels a lot. He's sitting in first class. He knows what he's doing. No big deal. I can chill out and go back to my book or watching a movie or something like that, you know. Um, but what about the moments in which uh, you look over and the person sitting next to you is like... Doesn't that just mess with you a little bit? You're like, oh, maybe, maybe they fly more than me. Maybe they've never been through turbulence like this before. Maybe we're going down. Right? You start thinking that. You're like, man, this is bad. Right? It's because, like, when, when, when like, fear is contagious, but so is peace. So you look over, you're like, oh, I don't know. But you know what? Even whenever the other passengers are freaking out, here's my moment of hope. I just look at the attendants. You look at the flight attendants. And it's so crazy because you could be going through an actual tornado and they're doing drink service. And you're like, really? Like, you are very well trained. You need to be on our altar team. Like, you can catch anything, right? Like, they're like, Coke Zero, sir? I'm like, okay. Cool, man. So there's no reason in the world for me to be afraid because these guys are weathering this storm like no problem. Right? This is all good. You know, it's, it, it's always the case whenever you see the flight attendants like get into that space where they like put the, you know, seatbelt on. You're like, oh, I don't know. But, but here's point one. Using that illustration, here's point one. When you're, when you're scared in a storm, get close enough to Jesus to allow his posture to inform yours. Is Jesus freaking out? No. So why are you? So you're going through this hard thing. What's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. Seems like he's pretty chill. Psalm 2 says, uh, He who sits in the heavens laughs while the nations are in an uproar, while they devise a vain thing and they plot against the people of God. And yet here is the Lord. Look at his perspective. Look at his posture. If that's his posture, I need to get close enough to him so that his posture becomes my posture. I don't need to stress in the middle of this storm. I can actually take a nap because Jesus is napping. I see you, devil. I see you trying to lie on me. I see people gossiping about me. I see you trying to implant that fear into my spirit. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to take a nap. I ain't even going to do no warfare. I ain't going to get out no salt. I ain't going to get out no oil. I ain't going to blow my shofar nor take my sword of David and stab it through the ceiling in my living room. I'm just going to take a nap. 
Sometimes one of the most supernatural things you can do when you find yourself in the middle of a battle is take a nap. You're freaking out, man. You're just tired, honestly. You just go eat a cheeseburger and take a nap. I, I, I'm t I, I just help somebody in here right now. I just help somebody. Listen, there were times in my life where I'd have night terrors, and I'd wake up every night on the dot at 3 a.m., and I would see things moving in my room. I'm telling you, anybody ever been through something like that before? It's weird. It's crazy. It's wild. It's unexplainable. But I was going through that stuff, and I'd just wake up like in a sweat. And so I decided that I was going to start setting my alarm clock for 2.45 because I didn't want to wait for them to bring the fight to me. I just said, listen, I'm going to bring the fight to you. If you want to, you know, be up in my business at 3 a.m., you're going to find me worshiping when you come to my bedroom. Because I went through that season where I was like, rebuke, rebuke, rebuke. And I just went to a place I was like, I ain't even going to rebuke you no more. If you want to be here, you're going to watch me worship the Lord. Check this out. 3 a.m., we're worshiping. Right? And then sometimes I go through stuff where I'm like, yeah, whatever. God, you got it. I'm going to go to sleep. Right? But when you're close to Jesus in intimacy, you can discern what kind of posture you need to take. Because every now and then you need to turn over the tables. Every now and then you need to run towards Goliath. Every now and then you need to pray in the spirit for a couple of hours until you sense that breakthrough. But there are certain moments in which the devil tries to tell you that the storm is a lot bigger than it is. And you just need to take a nap. Tell your neighbor, say, you just need to take a nap. And you just need to take a nap. I just helped somebody right there. So what is the posture of Jesus in the midst of this storm in your life? What's happening? You know, back to my airplane analogy here. Y'all like that, the airplane analogy? Um, it's really, really weird and wild and scary when the attendants put the seatbelt on because, you know, they get that seat out. They, like, slide it out, and they throw it down, and they're like, whoo. And they got, like, the double ratchet straps. They're like, y'all ain't from the country like I'm from. We use a ratchet strap for everything. They're like, it's like, oh, well, we're definitely going down. You know, we're definitely, I'm like, I'm hunting for my inflation thing. And I'm like, we're not even over water, but maybe it'll break my fall. I'll put it on. You know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, man, whatever, you know, maybe it won't, maybe I won't get jostled around, keep my neck in place. I'm having these thoughts. You know, I saw, I saw, I saw a thing one time. They said, if you pull your knees up, it might be better for you. So I'm like, okay, it won't get cut in half. I mean, I start having like morbid thoughts, you know. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest with you guys. I know this sounds crazy. I trust in the Lord. I always say, my assignment's not done yet. I have a mandate on my life. And I'm starting to get the text ready for my wife. Hopefully we catch signal on the way down. But you know what always feels like supernatural deliverance? This is your captain speaking. A little light chop. Light chop. This is a violent hurricane of biblical proportion. We're going to have you on the ground in about 15 minutes. Just sit back, enjoy your Coke Zero. Watch a little in-flight entertainment. I will see you soon. God bless. It's like Chick-fil-A. He's just so happy to serve you. You know, I'm just like, what? This guy's living in a different reality, right? 
but that's what the voice of the father always sounds like when it cuts through the noise. This is your captain speaking. This is the Lord talking. Right? And see, that's what takes place here. Here's point two. When you're scared in a storm, don't just talk to God. Listen to him. Listen to him. Because Jesus always calms what the enemy stirs up. And it only takes one word from God to break off all of your fear. When you don't have a word from God, you're always fearful. But where there is a word from the Lord, you're always fearless. You're like, my captain is speaking. The Lord of Lords has spoken. I have heard his voice. I have a word from God. I might be in the midst of the storm, but I can be full of faith because I know what God has said and I will stand on it because that is the truth. I know people who tell me, well, I pray all the time. Yeah, I know you shout at God, but do you listen to him? Because there is no deliverance in you shouting at God. The deliverance and the freedom is in you sitting and listening. Right? Fear doesn't go when you yell into the darkness because the devil's not afraid of a word you don't believe. You just listen to him. Yep, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to him, right? And this is actually such a prophetic picture of something that's written in Psalm 107, verse 28 through 30. The Bible says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They rejoiced in the silence, and he guided them to the harbor that they desired. What a beautiful psalm that is. Every time Jesus starts talking, peace starts being released. But we have to listen. I've noticed this in my own life. Peace always dissipates when I stop listening. I didn't say stop going to church. Right? I didn't say stop volunteering. I said, when I stop listening, peace dissipates. When I stop listening, so if you want chaos, let me give you a quick trip to chaos. First class ticket, stop listening to God. If you'll get close to Him and you'll listen to Him, then peace will come and chaos will go. All right, last point. So when the storm shuts down, Jesus asks a question. And this is always like the Lord because he always gives us the opportunity after we've gone through something hard to debrief it with him and to gather a different perspective. Hopefully we get his perspective so that trauma can go and that comfort can come. And he gives us this opportunity just like he does the disciples. So the storm dies down, the sea calms, right? The wind stops. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Which is a very interesting question. I would venture to say that for most Christians today, we would be appalled by the fact that Jesus would dare link our lack of faith to the strength of our fear. Think about it. Like Jesus is like, you, you, you're afraid because you don't have faith. Right. And we don't like being told we don't have faith. That's like a, that's like a thing we don't want to hear, right? So <laughs> we, we hate that. Yeah. Right? But Jesus just point blank addresses it. You don't have very much faith, and that's why you have so much fear. Right. Right. So, so here's the prescription. Wow. Trust. Yeah. So Everybody say trust. 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 That is the prescription, right? Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace. Everybody say peace. peace. 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts, there was a trust, in you. And this is what storms always do for us. They reveal where our trust is anchored. Where is your trust? Because fear will always reveal to you where your faith is. That's why when we go through storms, when we sit with Jesus and when we listen to him and when we allow him to inform us of his posture and take that posture, we can look at old storms and actually be grateful that they happened. Thank you for the storm, Lord. Thank you so much that I got fired from that job, God. It was heartbreaking when I went through it. I questioned your character when it happened, but now I look back with you and I'm like, man, praise God. I got a better job now. Some of y'all are going to do a little drive-by, like in a holy way, of your ex-girlfriend's house on the way home. Thank you! <laughs> Hallelujah! You're blessed and highly favored I am! Thanks for breaking up with me. It's amazing. Praise God. Peace is always a byproduct of trust. And here's that last point. When you're scared in a storm... Remember who's in the storm with you. The Prince of Peace. Despite all odds, dwell church, despite the season you find yourself in today, here's the truth. You always have a reason to trust God. Amen. All right, a few more scriptures and we're done. Let's stand while we read these. Jesus, we want to see you rightly. Just like when I started, we want to see Jesus rightly. Because when you see Jesus rightly, you can trust him completely. Yes. We want to see Jesus rightly. And here's John chapter 14, verse 27. It says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So could we bless the Lord as we're closing with our receptivity? I know that may seem a little unorthodox to say, but I really believe that our receptivity is one of the ways that we get to bless him. Our receptivity to what he wants to give to us is one of the ways that we honor the Lord in our life. And Jesus wants to give us his peace. So why don't we just take a moment. I don't know the storm that you're in the middle of right now. I don't know the chaos swirling in your home right now. But I do know that the Prince of Peace is in the room. And he wants to shout over your spirit, peace be still. Peace be still. And if you need that right now, just gently lay your hand on your heart and just say it with the Lord Jesus. Peace be still. Maybe you just need to take a deep breath as you speak that over yourself. Peace be still. Maybe you think you have enough peace, but The Lord Jesus is revealing to you today another dimension of his rest that he wants you to find in him. You know, revelation always flows through the rested. If you want more insight on Jesus, you might just need to take a few more vacations. (laughs) I know that seems a little unorthodox, but he is blessed 
by our receptivity. Come on, what does he want to say to you today? And what storm in your life does he want to shut down? And what relationship in your life that is all confused and turned upside down does God want to give you the right perspective and the right posture? Just let's say it again. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.